This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Eye on Houston, Houston's community affairs program reflecting the concerns, needs, and events of our greater Houston communities. Good morning and welcome to Eye on Houston. For this segment, I'll be your host. I'm Grego from 95.7 The Spot. Uh, I am the host of the show, the whole station actually, there's nobody else on it, from 6 in the morning until 7 o'clock at night, Monday through Friday. So if you've never heard me, well, clearly there's something wrong with you. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, you need to tune in and listen to the spot because it's uh, great music. It'll bring back a lot of memories. Now, this morning for Ion Houston, I have a very special guest here. But I, I want to catch you, the audience that is tuned in, before you automatically have a knee-jerk reaction to tune out. Because the subject matter that we're going to be speaking to my guest this morning about is the coronavirus, corona, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19. However, we're not going to come at it from the angle of vaccinations and mandates and how it's ruined everybody's lives having to stay at home and work or the politics involved. This morning, we are going to explore a very admirable humanitarian effort that a native Houstonian and local artist Joni Zavitsanos has undertaken, and I think you're going to be really impressed. Good morning, Joni. Good morning. You looked around like I was talking about somebody else. Because my dog started barking and I was worried. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I love that name, Zavitsanos. It's a nice Greek name. So I came prepared with a hot cup of black coffee because I know how you Greeks roll. And if I had a a couple of squares of uh, baklava, we'd be in hog heaven here. And if that sounds like stereotyping, I'm sorry, but it's in the most, uh, you know, loving of ways. Absolutely. Every morning I wake up with my Greek coffee. Yeah, that's got to be good. I was married to a Greek woman once, longest 11 months of my life, but that's for another day. Uh, Let's talk about what you're up to. You're a native Houstonian and an artist. And uh, you have uh, put together an exhibit called a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. And the the proper name is Living Living Icons. Yes, Living Icons. Yes, Living Icons, a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. You see, audience, you see why I didn't want you to tune out? Because this is coming at it from the standpoint of 
the human aspect of this disease, which has taken so many lives from us. And many times, I mean, all the time, it gets lost in the numbers. All we hear about are the numbers of people that have passed away from this disease. And all you have to do is scroll your Facebook feeds. And beyond that, everybody has somebody in their own personal lives that has probably, that you know, has died from this disease. So, Joni, uh, tell me what was your inspiration for taking on this project and describe a little bit about what it is that you've done. So uh, early on when the pandemic started and we were on lockdown, and of course it's pretty shocking and everybody's kind of scared and there's this unsurety of, can you breathe the air outside? Do you go to the grocery store maybe once every couple of weeks just to grab some stuff and help head the heck out um, back home before it hits you? And there's a lot of sleepless nights. I don't know, I was pretty scared. Uh, not knowing what this was. And then I started hearing, you know, you're listening to the news constantly, and it's a man in his 80s in Matagorda County and a woman in her 60s in Fort Bend. Uh, And I started, you know, I was working in my studio because that was the thing to do since I had so much time on my hand, just sit in the studio and paint. And I started thinking, who are these people? Who are they talking about? Why is this so... um, far from us what do they look like yes it just seemed very impersonal the way that it was even being recorded who was dying uh, while we're under lockdown and scared and wondering what this is so i began an internet search and i said i'm going to find who these people are and what do they look like and uh it was really hard at first um a lot wasn't recorded and it was very private stuff so i started looking up obituaries and in the houston and surrounding counties and i would find after hours and hours of search maybe a name one name that would say died of covid and um, I had been doing these grid pieces uh, where, where there were just little bitty blocks of uh, canvas that I was creating images. And I thought, well, I think I want to start depicting these people. And so I began collaging these images of the faces of the victim. Um, I'm, I'm Greek, of course, as you mentioned, and only a Greek can be married to another Greek and get along. So that's probably why <laughs> I've been married for 32 years. But, um, but our Byzantine background and our church art has these gold-leafed halos around our saint figures. And I have this idea that we are all saints with our good and bad here on earth. We are earthly saints living our lives the best way we can. And so I decided that these people who had died are saints now. And so I would just put a simple gold leaf halo over them um, and put their name on the plaque. And I began collecting them. And I thought, I'm going to show these somewhere. I, our city needs this. This is, these are our people. Yeah. Now, a couple of questions come to mind immediately. Uh, I'm told that you have depicted the images of more than 600 victims. Is that correct? Close to 700 now, yes. How many hours of your life have you devoted to this art project so far? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. It's it's every day since the end of March, uh, hours and hours. And I, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's sort of an obsession, I have to say. Yeah. And, and then, so as you continue to dig in to trying to find these people, how did you decide, what was, how did you find your roadmap to get to them? What, what did you do? So I, I just, it was mostly internet search. Uh, but after I started searching on the internet and finding these people, um, I, I reached out to Molly Glenser, who was the art critic, uh, for the Chronicle for all those years. I've so admired her and she had been just writing random pieces on the pandemic because there was no art to be seen. And I reached out to her and I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm working on this thing. I have about 60 people here. I don't know if you're interested in, in looking at this, but I've got this. And she wrote an article. She wrote a whole page uh, about it. And, um, and then all of a sudden people started coming to me and it it was like the floodgates opened Uh, mostly through Facebook messenger. These people would say, I'm, I'm so-and-so my dad died. I'm so-and-so my son died. I'm, I'm so-and-so I've got, you know, this person, um, would you please, please honor them, please honor them. And so it became, it sort of picked up steam and then it became a little easier to go through and find. Also people started putting obituaries in, you know, you hardly had a funeral. That was the other thing. It just broke my heart. You know, I'm Greek. We commemorate those who passed on. We honor them. We live our lives through them. And so not to have a funeral not to be able for the family to even come and see at their deathbed. Um, it, it was outrageous to me. And that pain and that hurt, I just took on. I don't know. I just, I felt it very deeply. And I said, I'm doing a memorial service. I'm doing this. These people are going to have their day and their loved one will be remembered. If you're just joining us, we're with Joni Zavatsanos. She is a native Houstonian local artist who is come up with a project, an art installation that is going to be displayed at the John P. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Science called Living Icons, a, commemor- a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. Now, it's going to be open October through February this year. Uh, the tribute will open the weekend of October 15th through the 27th, and then there'll be a special night exclusively for families that can attend privately, almost as if you were attending a wake of somebody to privately remember and uh, uh, celebrate the lives uh, of somebody and the families of various different people who have passed away due to this terrible COVID-19 disease. Now, uh, now, Joni, you came up with a letter that you sent out to people uh, I would like you, if you wouldn't mind, you have it at your, at your fingertips. Do you have it nearby? I would like to hear you read, read part of that letter that you would. Yeah, I have it. I have it here. If you don't have it, I have, it. I can read it. Uh, I probably have it. And let me just hold on. Yeah. Stay right there. Cause, uh, cause this is good. And the other thing that I want to ask you about, because people are listening and they're saying, okay, so here's an artist and she's helping to remember these people uh, by doing a form of Byzantine art. And I want to go into that just for a moment and uh, explain to people what that is and uh, how you find yourself as an artist of that particular iconography. All right. So, uh, yes. I'm, 
I'm kind of showing you, I don't have the letter right here in front of me and I'm sorry that I don't, but uh, I reached out um, with an appeal um, and you can see here where I have actually the son of a father who passed away and the father in the picture that he's holding has the gold leafed uh, halo over his head. Yeah. Um, uh, you see the same here with the family right. where, and so that Byzantine influence was really, uh, was really important. Um, the letter and I'm happy for you to read uh, segment, segments of it because I'm, I've said it in so many ways and so many times and so many fashions, uh, but was basically that I, I understand the pain of losing a loved one and the importance of that remembrance of those loved ones and that um, hosting a memorial on behalf of these people who've passed on um, would be a way to remember them as we say in our Greek culture, eternal be their memory. Their lives live on and they live on through us. And even if they're not with us, their spirit remains with us. And um, I, I think it's important for these people who are grieving to understand that we are together, grieving together for those people with hope. The big thing is, is the hope that uh, there is life beyond this life. I've, I started about midway through adding a butterfly to all of the images. Uh, kind of life, rebirth, resurrection. And so that butterfly became a symbol. You see this very young boy who was one of our recent victims. And you see the little butterfly in the corner yeah. uh, for him. So you'll see that image a lot. I even had, you know, I, 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 echoed that butterfly image um, uh, all through the exhibit and it's a big part of it. Um, and the, and the memorial was the most important part. Certainly, you know, I'm an artist. So the artwork up there and the beauty of all of those images with their gold leaf halos that I've never seen. So when it goes up, it'll be the first time I'll, I'll see it all up together because they're just, in sleeves and boxes uh and, and but i hope the tapestry together creates this beautiful image of these people who are with us these members of our city who these important people each one of them and i mean some of them are prisoners so they're they're from four years old to a hundred years old they are black white red yellow orange every ethnic background you can think of every um, every socioeconomic background that you can think of. And, and they, we all have that one thing in common that we have this grief and that hole that needs to be filled in us. And I hope just a small way to fill the hole. That's yeah. the idea. Yeah. COVID-19 doesn't discriminate. Doesn't mm -hmm. care who you are. And yeah. it's random on uh, who it, uh, takes the lives of some people are able to withstand it and the others aren't. I'd like to just jump into the last paragraph of the letter that you sent out. Just as in the Jewish Holocaust, the 9-11 memorial, or are there such tragedies that our society has faced? We many times say, never forget. In this same way, 
with the passage of this COVID-19 pandemic and the mark it has left on us all, especially those who have lost someone dear to them. We never want anyone to forget what has happened and who has suffered because of it. I hope you will join me in remembering your loved ones lost and in honoring the memory of who they were and what they meant to ourselves, our families, and the city of Houston at large. I wish you blessings and peace. May their memory may be ever eternal. With gratitude, Joni Zabatsanos. A question when you, uh, it's beautiful by the way, when you, when you reached out to certain people, w were there some that for whatever reason that they had said, thank you, but I'd prefer not to be included? There was a handful of people that chose to be very private. They just happened to feel there was, there was one in particular um, that has agreed now to be in the project that early on uh, their loved one was um, kind of, uh, I guess, boasting that this was a hoax and whatever, and ended up contracting and dying of the virus. And there was a lot of hatred poured out on the family, on, uh, on, on the children of this person's um, family and saying, you know, kind of good riddance. And it was super painful. And I allowed some passage of time and they actually came back and said, hey, we're coming to this. We, we, we want our loved one to be in here. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And so there, there was a handful that were, mm, or maybe it was before I was at the museum. And so they were like, yeah, good for you. And you know, we're, we're going to pass, but that there were, there were very few by and large people were coming to me and saying, please, please cannot, is it too late? Uh, I, I actually recently broke my arm <laughs> and I had to stop depicting there's a lot of lives continuing to be lost which arm which arm it, it was the left arm but i i work with both hands and so it was very difficult and i was had a hard time moving and so but uh this family came to me and said please please my father needs to be in this and i said i'm okay i'm doing it because uh, i can't say no and uh and so i did get in the studio and i just kind of prayed my way through it and said, please let me do this correctly. <laughs> and they're all coming and some family members from out of town are even coming to the museum to honor um, those, that loved one, which I'm just grateful for. Yes. It's, uh, it, it's going to be at the John P. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Science. They're going to house Joni Zavitsano's art installation in their facility from this month October 2021 through February 2022 and possibly beyond that date. And the tribute is going to open the weekend of October 15th through the uh, 17th and a special night exclusively for the families. I can only imagine seeing the tapestry of the artwork once it's all uh, put up. It's, it, it will probably take people's breath away because of the enormity of each one of those, as you said, you know, uh, saints, but souls, each one of those people has a story. Do you think we could come back and do you think maybe you would want to tell uh, maybe a couple of the more memorable uh, people you came across that have left an impact on you that perhaps will last forever? Uh, there, are, there are so many, uh, many sleepless nights thinking of it. 
All right, so we'll come back here. Ion Houston, this is Grego with me. Our guest this morning is Joni Zavatsanos. She is the artist behind Living Icons, a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ion Houston. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It's Grego. Yes, that's right. Monday through Friday, 6 in the morning until 7 o'clock at night. Uh, on 95.7 The Spot. Joni, I'm sure one of your first questions is, how do you do that? Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm on all the time. The only guy on the radio station, so I'm going to get a plug in. Listen to The Spot. I promise you it's a crowd pleaser. Put it on at the next party you go to, the backyard barbecue at the pool. It is a crowd pleaser. Even play it in your store because uh, every song is a hit. We get rid of all the dogs. Uh, with me this morning, uh, not literally, I, I keep the dog here in the studio with me. Stella, my puppy, is here. Uh, with me this morning is uh, uh, Joni Zavitsanos, the artist behind the uh, latest art installation that's going to be displayed at the John P. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Science, Living Icons, a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, Joni, good morning again, once again to you. Uh, by the way, I'm told that uh, did, did your art installation eclipse that of Dr. Jonas Salk and the uh, polio uh, polio installation? I mean, if, if, if your stuff is taking precedence over the inventor of the polio vaccine, American virologist and medical researcher, you got something there, girl. Well, in fairness, it's more recent, okay? <laughs> it's the buzzword of the day, so I, I won't take... I won't take any credit for that other than the fact that they did want to do something local and uh, personal, and this was a good way to do it. Uh, it happened to fit into their, um, you know, fit into their regime, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, in our first segment, you know, before we got started, and hopefully it, we, we gave people enough to want to hang on and continue to uh, listen to this beautiful tribute that you have uh, uh, given quite a number of hours of your life's work to to commemorate victims of people that, you know, were just minding their own business, living their lives like anybody else, and wound up losing them to this disgusting disease that uh, doesn't discriminate. Just, you know, and, and so in the, in the midst of the debate, the back and forth about vaccines. Should I be vaccinated? Should I not be vaccinated? Can our government mandate that you be vaccinated? The politics behind it and uh, and the and the scorn that, that people have for others that don't get vaccinated and, and, and all of the noise, not to mention just the depression surrounding the sickness that has ruined not only people's lives, but their, uh, their, their ability to earn a living in many ways, to carry on the way they were. They've been displaced. Uh, people are living from home. The suicide rate through the roof, depression. But you are coming at this from the standpoint that almost makes people say, wait a minute, time out. Let's remember the people. But we, can, we can debate all this down the road, but there are real lives that are no more because of this. And I guess that is what helped you to get going and, and do this and continue to do it. For sure, for sure. That drove me, the, the, the 
the sadness of these families. We all want to move forward. They'll never move forward. I mean, this will be a moment in history that stays with them for the rest of their lives. And um, it doesn't matter which side of the uh, political arena you're on. Uh, the fact remains that, you know, this tragedy happened to them. And I have many stories, uh, a lot of sleepless nights. I, I say that selfishly because the sleepless nights were by those families. So I'm, mine were just, you know, I can move on eventually. Yeah. Well, um, I know you, I know you hurt your left arm recently. Now, are you left-handed by nature as an artist? Well, I'm a bit ambidextrous, but I have to use both my arms in doing these collaged pieces. So I, I, they require both arms in order to get these on and, and done. Well, when you talk about sleepless nights, I'm going to say this uh, selfishly as well uh, on my own behalf, because I recently dislocated a shoulder and I have hardly been able to sleep a wink in uh, probably over a month or so. And so I know what that's like to walk around. <laughs> when you're cranky and angry because you haven't had a, uh, a night's a good night's rest you know what i'm saying exactly exactly <laughs> but it's okay uh you know this this shall pass right exactly right now what when people uh, attend the uh, art installation at the john p mcgovern see the pieces that you have collected uh that have been submitted to you and that you have added to you have uh you have added your own byzantine flair to them let's let's stop for just a moment and uh, talk about uh, the earliest form of uh, christian artwork the byzantine and and how you find yourself as someone who uh you know is is a is an artist in that particular vein well i wouldn't call myself a byzantine iconographer my father was one of the most renowned byzantine iconographers um he was He's my greatest influence just in life and in art. And he did beautiful church art for Byzantine and Protestant and Catholic churches around the world, uh, but mostly for Orthodox churches because that's our art, that's our form. Um, the very kind of abstracted looking figures and the gold leafed halos. And those really resonated with me. And my modern art always kept a, a flavor of that uh, within it. And so I thought it appropriate that these gold-leafed halos would be around the figures um, uh, of, of, the, of the pieces in this Living Icons tribute, um, because they yeah, are your saints. Your father, Diamantis, Diamantis Cassis, uh, mm -hmm. he is well-renowned. Can you tell people just that are, you know, interested in this type of stuff, where can they see his work and what is he most renowned for? So Byzantine art was his art form. He passed away now coming up on six years ago, uh, but he would always teach me to make meaningful art, art that mattered. And that's what kind of drove me to this project. And his work actually will be on display. I will be at the Greek festival the weekend of October, the 7th, 8th, and 9th. And I will have his work up there that you can see for sale as well as my own. Uh, and so uh, if, if you ever want to come out to the Greek Festival and see his beautiful work, um, you can see my dad's work there. And I'm told that there are pictures of you immortalized at his feet while he was working and uh, you were learning. Did he teach you? He taught you while he painted or did his? 
Well, I, I sort of, I could draw before I could speak. It was just something that he passed on to me and I would sit in his studio while he did private lessons or while he was working in his studio and, and he would give me blank sheets of paper. I could never have a coloring book. It was just terrible that uh, I always wanted to color in the lines, but was not allowed. <laughs> and so I'd get blank sheets of paper and crayons and whatever. And he just let me go at it. And I just had a, a knack for it, if you will, or maybe I had the freedom because he just let me go for it. And so I, I was around it my whole life, um, through him. And, and now, especially that he's gone, I wish to honor him and make meaningful art. And that's another reason for the project I told you is making sure dad knows, Hey, um, it's still, I'm still doing this for you. (laughs) So not as good as him, not nearly, but he did teach me the formal Byzantine, uh, iconography and i've done byzantine icons some of them will be on view at the festival too um but i'm a lot more painterly and messy he was really brilliant i'm i'm told of a particular painting that uh, interests me uh of the last supper that you have done is that correct Um, describe that (laughs) well it's very different and my dad was alive when i completed it and he was so thrilled you know because he was thrilled with everything I did because I was his daughter but uh but very abstracted my my uh, master's from the University of Houston is in printmaking and so and I love wood carving because my dad did that and and I followed suit and would do wood carving and linoleum cut prints and so I have this collage of these very interesting figures uh around a table that is sort of covered in Christ's blood and it's all of humanity so it's all these faces all over it and so kind of the idea that he pours out his blood over humanity to save us um so it's it's interesting it's a little edgy i love that i I totally love that and i hear that you know instead of wearing the period garb they're wearing uh, george armani suits or something is that right some of them yes prada shoes and the like (laughs) (laughs) i love that If, if you're just joining us uh uh, you know, adding a little levity to what is a very serious subject. We're here with uh, Joni Zabatsanos. She's the artist and native Houstonian behind Living Icons, a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic to open at the George or John P. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Science on uh, October the 15th through the 17th and uh, going to go through February 2022 and maybe beyond if enough of us go out and uh, see your works. I, I can't imagine that it's going to be anything short of just spectacular. Now, um, before we wrap, I, I would like to, to you know, you, you've, you've been putting the time and the sweat equity into this, and not to mention the emotional toll that it has taken on you. Can you perhaps just maybe, you know, sort of stream of consciousness, uh, talk about some of the people whose lives you heard about as you were chronicling these and putting together this, this, this art installation that have impacted you? Uh, yes, there are many, and many stories that I remember and, and recall fondly and, you know, tragically, but fondly in that I've gotten to know all these people now. Um, I, let me add before I begin that the, the opening for the uh, exhibition will be on the 16th of October. That will be the official opening day. The 15th will be the memorial for the families of private. So just yeah. clarifying that. Um, uh, there's one guy that I, I want to talk about. His name was Edward Hawkins. They called him Hawk. And um, he was one of the very many 
uh, incarcerated people that died of the virus. There were very, very many jailed inmates, prisoners who contracted the virus um, because they were uh, under lockdown and uh, a lot of the guards were not showing up because they, you know, you flee during times of crisis. Not everybody wants to show up for work because they're afraid. And so these guys were kind of left and he was one of them. And I talked to his daughter, Joe Mitra, who um, loved him so much. And she had ha hadn't seen him in 20 years, um, her job, and the distance precluded that. He died at the hospital Galveston, where a lot of the prisoners were sent that got sick around Texas. That's where they were sent. Um, it was a hospice, really, of sorts there. And, uh, and she, um, I, I just, you know, we cried together on the phone. And she, I said, look, I'm so sorry this happened. Sometimes the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And she said, Joni, she said, um, the, the right hand didn't care what the left hand was doing. And I think a lot of people, it's, I don't know if it's true or not, but they were abandoned. And she had that heartache that she didn't even get told about her father till after the fact and there's a, just a lot of pain in this is your loved one she talks about him how what a man of god he was what church he attended in galveston that he would open up his door to anyone so he's not a guy who you know was a thief okay he was a guy who was also a full human being that maybe made some mistakes and um and th those tragedies were hard it was hard to hear about the wife of the um the judge i mean i'm sorry the the prison guard who would show up every day when no one else would and he contracted the virus and she just cried and cried over it you know uh then you have uh vincent mandola the restaurateur who was just a legend he he loved going in and serving and he had a uh he was a strong he wasn't ill he didn't have any existing issues and contracted it i guess through being at the restaurant but his wife was there with him and that family just a tragedy of not having that figure that bold figure in their lives uh a ex baker and bots um uh attorney and and partner who loved driving around in his baby blue mustang convertible uh, even in at 90 years old contracted the virus and he's gone um they're they're they they're they're everybody uh pregnant women who had to give birth early and go you know um a young boy 12 years old who who knows what existing problem and why his system couldn't handle and and left um ugh. There's a million stories. There's a million stories. And they're, and they're all worthy. Every single person, whether they were imprisoned or in a nursing home or young or whatever, they all have a beautiful story to tell. They have people who love them. They have a life worth remembering. Their face needs to be seen and their name needs to be told. And I hope I can do that. Just a couple of things come to mind. Um, one thing I've thought about that I've seen from my own personal circle of people that have passed, I'm reminded of the expression, God takes the good ones. 
Uh, I have seen so many wonderful humans that I know that I would say, you know what, that, is, that guy was, that's an awesome dude or an awesome, you know, a great person. And they pass away and it makes you wonder, you know, if that is a truism. The other thing is, you mentioned uh, Mr. Mandola, who is very strong and still came down and and with the disease and it took his life and uh i think all of us and maybe some personally uh are thinking ah i'm you know i'm strong i've weathered the storm of uh, pneumonia before and other things and i could handle it i'll fight it off i can do it it's you know it's not going to be me until it's somebody close to you that is strong and you watch them pass away just recently in in my own fan circle of family we have uh we had a couple of people in our family that said well i'm not gonna get vaccinated you're not sticking that needle in my arm uh-uh not gonna do it and then the brother-in-law passed away the brother-in-law you know connected to the family and this guy was a construction worker uh, he was always very nice to me. He was a big 101 fan from back in the day when KLOL was a rock station. And, and that's how we, we came into contact with one another. And we always had great conversations. We loved talking about rock and roll and music together. And, and the fact that he would listen and he was enthralled with the radio business. And this guy was tough. He was a country boy. Uh, guy's guy that could fix anything, make anything, cook anything, great family man. And inside of like two or three weeks, contracted the disease and was gone. And that motivated people that are in our family to go, well, uh, perhaps maybe I am going to go get a shot. Because as we said earlier, um, COVID-19 does not discriminate. And I am not going to... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I, I got the Pfizer vaccine, the two shot. Uh, but I, I'm not going to tell you, you know, tell anybody listening to this show what you must do. Uh, this, in my opinion, is still America. You'll make your decision, but make the right decision. Because there are so many stories. And uh, Joni Zavatsanos, in her Living Icons, commemoration of the victims of Houston's, uh, Houston's COVID-19 pandemic art installation, will showcase almost 700 of them people that weren't asking for this this disease came to them and took their lives and maybe maybe you know what you what you have put together and spent so much of your time and life over the past year doing you know it's public service it, it is public service you you just very well may be the catalyst for someone that stumbles upon and into the John B. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Sciences says, what is this? And then once they see the enormity of how many people, the souls that have been lost, will say, you know what, maybe I'm going to rethink things. Maybe I'm going to do something different. That ever cross your mind? Well, really, my, my goal is to give peace and comfort to families. I, I love that we have a free country. And so you have the option to do what you want to do. So I don't even go there. Uh, 
I just know that these families are grieving, that they need some comfort. I also know that God sends rain down on both the just and the unjust, you know? Uh, We don't know why somebody is taken and why somebody is not. Um, I have a dear friend uh, that I grew up with, Catherine, who uh, she was she was not supposed to make it. She was on a ventilator. She was every day worse, worse, worse. And miraculously, her doctor says she was one of 2% that she had a 2% chance to get out and she's out. Yes. And I'm grateful for that. My brother had it early on. I was scared to death. He was, you know, uh, about a week and then recovered who knows why it turns south or doesn't? I, I don't know. You know, yes. before the vaccine came out, before we had that option anyway. So my my focus is uh, giving, and giving, the, yeah, giving the families the proper uh, acknowledgement so that they can grieve yes. and, and, and commemorate their loved ones. That's in a it. manner that's that's dignified rather than well your loved one is in a hospital bed b- about to pass away but you can't go in because we have a restriction you you can't go to their bedside and hold their hand while they're breathing terrible. their life so terrible terrible just awful and and then the funeral oh well you can pick three people because the funeral home has all these people and so choose which ones are gonna go if you even can afford to have it if you can even afford to have a funeral, which was another huge issue. So there's so many backstories to the story. How, how many Hispanics have been just pummeled by this disease, this virus? Uh, the Black community, who I, I haven't represented as well, um, because they need to be people of hope. You know, as, as Greeks, I, I understand very well um, we don't focus on the crucifixion and the passion of Christ. We always focus on the resurrection, okay? Because we are persecuted people around the world. And these, uh, in the black community, I never saw on there, this person died of COVID. What they write on their obituaries is hope. This person was a man of God, and this was his church, and his favorite verse in scripture was this. And he lives on and we celebrate him. And so I don't have them on the wall, but they're there too. And we need to remember that even if they're not as reflected as they should be, uh, because they were another hard hit in our community. Yeah. Bring that up as well, just to note. Yes. Yeah. People of tremendous faith and belief in what is next, you know, and in a better place and, and that now, uh, will you continue to collect the uh, photos and to add them to your uh, art installation as you get them? Are, is is that your commitment at this point? Uh, my research has slowed, and especially with my arm. But I am uh, open. I, I I can't tell anyone no. I, I told this family. I'll do it, you know, and I can't tell anyone no. So, of course, um, anyone who wants to be added, uh, they can't be added at the museum because it's sort of stayed and fixed and they've got it all like neat and tidy. They've got a really wonderful set designer there that's putting everything up. My friend, has, uh, I, I should mention Karen Weimer, has developed leaves out of resin 
and um, and Wire, and she's written the names of all the victims. They're going to be on a tree of life in the center of the room, which will be very cool. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And and so, but but I am looking for a permanent spot for this uh, exhibit. I want a permanent spot in Houston where people can go and pay tribute. And I'm reaching out to people uh, looking for that spot. And and if this exhibit wants to travel, maybe to Galveston County or to Fort Bend or Matagorda or wherever, um, it can travel. And uh, and I will add uh, as appropriate uh, whoever wants to be added. If anyone's listening that uh, perhaps wants to get in contact with you because they have an idea or uh, resources that might help you get to where you want to go, how do they reach you? Uh, my website is JoniZavatsanos.com, and they can look that up in that terrible Greek name like that, having to look it up. Uh, they can email me, but you can look me up, and, and uh, you can certainly call the Museum of Health and Medical Science here in Houston, and they have my information. Um, and I'm happy for them to reach out that way and, and contact me, um, and let me know. JoniZavitsanos.com. That's J-O-N-I-Z as in zebra, A-V as in Victor, I-T-S as in Sam, A-N-O-S.com. JoniZavitsanos.com. Living Icons. A commemoration, that's a tough word for me today, I'll tell you that. <laughs> a commemoration of the victims of Houston's COVID-19 pandemic. The exhibit opens on October the 16th at the John P. McGovern Museum of Health and Medical Science. Make it a point to go and just give these souls, these saints that have given their lives to a terrible disease that nobody asked for, uh, a little recognition, because I am sure Joni, from uh, on high, you have at least 700 and more guardian angels that are watching you right now. You're going to have great luck for the rest of your existence. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> that's right. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's Ion Houston. Joni, thank you for talking to me this morning. Thank you and so much. Continued success. All right. Appreciate it so much. And this is Grego. We'll see you on the spot, 95.7. Give a listen and have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 